You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. We'll pay. We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. All right, you guys, another very, very special guest. Coach B, <laughs> for the record, I told them there's a 50-50% chance you show up just because I wasn't confident you would be able to use Zoom, but you surprised me. And hey, I'm a geezer. I can still learn this stuff. <laughs> well, I want to just let you know, when I said that you would be on, a handful of these people that you're looking at actually cried. They teared <laughs> up in excitement. I don't know if Federico's on here. Is Federico, there he is. He cried. And, yeah. And, and also, it looks like as everyone is strolling in, this will be one of the few calls where we've had like 100% attendance. So people were clearly <laughs> excited. I believe everybody knows who you are, but for those of you that don't, Coach Bergner is a legend in the CrossFit space. I believe, I believe you are single-handedly responsible for the resurrection of Olympic lifting in the world, just so you know. <laughs> I think, you know, CrossFit pushed it, but without, without the right person, you know, taking the reins, it would not have gotten to where it has today. You guys agree if you shake your head? Look at everybody. Look at that, Coach B. You know, uh, I think they're going, uh-uh, he's not. That's for sure. 20 years ago when you were teaching little kids, you know, you had no <laughs> idea what you would be creating one day. So oh, certainly a big influence in my life and um, really excited to have you on here. So let, let's do the following, guys. I know we have some questions from the group. But how about if we do it this way? I'd love to give you the, you guys the opportunity to talk to Coach B. We have him for an hour. So if you want to put your hands up, your virtual hands up over on the side there, I'll call on you guys. If we have some time at the end, I'll, I'll pull out those questions that we have for the group. But I'd love for you guys to be able to interact. Um, I'll unmute you when I lower your hand. And then I'll leave Coach B on, on speaker view. Does that work for you, Coach B? Absolutely. Cool. So put your hands up in the corner I'm sure there's going to be a bunch going up normally i find that they're always afraid to ask questions we've got a pretty awesome group of people um so i well there we go of course frederico's got his hands up as, as frederico opens up the uh this um pandora's box if you will We'll do that. And if we need, like I said, we have plenty of questions. So let me, uh, you've already unmuted yourself, Frederico. I lowered your hand. Go ahead. You can ask Coach B your question. Hi, Coach. Uh, do you suggest that in a regular CrossFit class setting would be better to make a difference between the clean starting position and the deadlift starting position? Or would you suggest to just let them move and learn the movement not not caring about small differences of 
bad position in in the starting position yeah that's a great question but um you got to realize i'm going to answer it according to who i am right i'm i'm an olympic weightlifting coach that's what i do and so when we do deadlifts we're doing clean deadlifts and snatch deadlifts so if if for an example if you have a hundred kilo snatch the most that I'm ever going to deadlift, snatch deadlift you is maybe 100% and five kilos. So I'm going to ask you to do everything exactly like you would do a regular snatch, obviously without the explosive aspect, because you're just deadlifting it through a full range of motion. Same thing with the clean. So I'm, I'm looking at snatch deadlift lift and clean deadlift it's being part of the olympic weightlifting protocol whereas if i want to do a louis simmons a powerlifting deadlift then i would follow the rules of those deadlifts and their starting positions but for me i very rarely use regular deadlifts in my training program but will use snatch deadlifts and clean deadlifts all the time thanks thanks Coach. good question all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull one from our group. I don't know if Pat's on here, but I'm gonna ask Pat's question. Yeah, Thought? I'm here. You want to ask it, Pat? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I sound like uh, I got a pretty broad question for you, Mike. Um, I'm a I guess a novice coach. Been coaching part time a couple years. Um, I think one of my biggest struggles is um knowing when to overcoach uh, or excuse me uh knowing when i'm overcoaching and um knowing when i'm not coaching enough and so having been familiar with some of your content that i've just basically watched on youtube i appreciate your simplicity in your coaching uh the back to basics approach um so i'm curious if you have any input any any pretty general broad input for a coach as um how do we celebrate um celebrate small wins i think you guys probably know what i'm talking about as far as i want to go in and um fix everything you know on on day one i want to i want to i want to fix everything about a movement as opposed to just uh working on one thing at a time um and i guess i have a i've had a tendency in the past to overcoach i wonder if you have any input on that yeah, sure. You don't think I've made that mistake a million times? You know, sure. probably in my 50-year career, I've made that mistake uh, uh, 49 years, right? And uh, and I still make that mistake. You know, that's not that's not the idea. The idea is is as a as a coach, uh, any level in my mind, you work the fundamentals and the basics. You know, that that's to me that's the key. Uh, you know, Vince Lombardi, Era Parsegian, you know, Bear Bryant, Nick Saban, all these guys, they all have the same things in co common, is that they work the fundamentals. And they do that the first 15 to 20 minutes of every practice. And then they work the game plan depending on what, you know, the next opponent is, you know. And for me, the burden, you know, the junkyard dog, the burden warm up, the skill transfer exercises, and three position snatches as part of my 15 minutes of stance grip and position the fundamentals doing those fundamentals every single workout whether it's a olympic weightlifting workout or whether it's a crossfit workout but that 15 minutes is exactly the same every single workout regardless and that brings me to the fundamentals of teaching and coaching and from there you work the weaknesses you're gonna you're gonna snatch you're gonna clean and jerk you're gonna front squat and you're gonna work the weaknesses of the athlete so every athlete can be different every class is going to be different you know so to me just keep it extremely simple and if the eyeballs of your class are getting big and round like that you know you're doing too much right. you know you for me it's it's keep it simple and uh i would rather give them too little than too much and uh, I say that, but yet when I teach my classes, uh, my courses, I give two, in two days, I give them 18 weeks of information, right? So, you know, I say that, but it's, it's really important to come up with a game plan, a lesson plan that's going to keep it very simple and direct. And, and don't be afraid to give your students uh, homework. 
going to going to Home Depot and getting PVC pipe that costs 50 cents to a buck is excellent for them to be able to focus on the drills and skills and, and the and the fundamentals. And then lastly, I'll tell you this. I have a um, on on my website, bergnerstrength.com, there's a 10-point grading article that I wrote years ago on how I graded my students. I never graded them on how much weight they lifted, but I graded them on the technique that they achieved in the snatch, clean and jerk, and front squat. And there's 10 points that I, that I covered. There's five different movement patterns, but two points for every movement pattern. And if the athlete got an eight or a better on the movement pattern, I counted the lift. Regardless of the weight, I had, I had several kids that snatched 100 kilos, but and one where other kids snatched 120 but got a six or a five or six on their technique. They were just butt strong, and uh, I didn't count the lift. So I only counted good lifts that were an eight or a better out of a 10. And, uh, you know, the kids learned that the technique was critical and that if they adhered to my standards, they would become stronger as well. So Coach B. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, I think it's really important, to, as you said, to uh, stick with the basics as well. I think a lot of gyms have the tendency to go, um, you know, uh, lacking skill work. Um, right. I do believe in skill work before every time we pick up the barbell. I think it's like critically important. And I think a lot of, a lot of gyms miss that mark for sure. So I appreciate well, it. In, in my world, I took PVC pipe and then I put, uh, put sand in the PVC pipe and capped it and then went to, uh, you know, got rebar and threw that in the PVC pipe and went to the junkyard and got cold roast steel. Yeah, I did all that shit, progressive overload. You know, the biggest error that people make in the coaching world is they get tied to how much weight they're lifting. Right. And uh, in my world, that's not, we just don't allow that. Yeah, I like that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that technique and, and your advice. Thank you. So, so Coach B, let me ask you a follow-up on that. You know, out of these coaches here, I'm sure they're used to having an 8- to 12-person class where – Somebody could be brand new out of on-ramp and somebody could be three years deep into CrossFit outside of that junkyard dog warm-up, which by the way, if you guys haven't seen, Google it. Fantastic warm-up, team building, a lot of fun. How would you recommend they develop these new athletes while at the same time keeping their veteran athletes engaged? You have to write two different programs. I mean, it's just, I can, I can do that. I can, I can take... You know, if I have a class of 10 or 12 people in the program, you know, the whole idea is working snatch, clean, and jerk, and front squat and the weaknesses of the athlete. That's, that's my goal. That's where the Bergner, the Bergner uh, warm-up, the junkyard dog. And there's, there's two junkyard dogs right now. There's the junkyard dog that is, you know, pre-COVID, and then the junkyard dog that is post-COVID, right? And that junkyard dog is post-COVID is absolutely going to reach up and grab you in the ass and that that is the you know the jumping squats I don't know you've seen those before Jason I mean you've I put a PVC pipe on your back and you have to do a butt to the ground jump that high off the ground and continually doing it for 60 seconds and your goal is to get 60 reps and if you get 60 reps in 60 seconds you can go up and wait and you know no one no one gets it at the beginning but it's amazing how many people we have doing uh, 60 reps in 60 seconds with a 20 kilo bar now. And then the other one is you sit down on the ground in an L sit with the barbell on your shoulders and you press, you're doing a seated L sit. You do a press overhead with the bar until your elbows are locked out and the same standard, 60 reps in 60 seconds. And uh, just about anybody can do that with uh, PVC pipe. Everybody can get that in there. But once you start adding the sand and the rebar and the cold roast steel, and then finally the bar, it'll kick your ass, I'll guarantee you. So, you know, those, those are, but those are skills. Those are jumping skills because the Olympic lifts are nothing more than a jump, a, an explosion of the barbell, you know, explosion, driving your feet against the ground and creating acceleration and elevation on that barbell and that's nothing more than a double knee bend and a double knee bend is a jump 
And, you know, you have to learn how to create that positioning to give you that most empowering jump and explosion. You have to do that. So we have to practice jumping. And uh, we practice all the drills and skills. And, you know, you got a class of 15, 20 people in it. And, you know, you got different levels. Well, you're still going to do the same 15 minutes with everybody. You do that with everybody, and then the, 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 you know, the fire breathers that are over here, the Matt Frasers and the Tias, you know, I'm going to give them one workout where I'm going to take that 40-year-old soccer mom that's never lifted weights before. I'm going to give her another workout, and I've got to be good enough to watch them all. Yeah, I think that's it. you got to be good enough to watch them all. All right, let's, I see Matt, and then we'll go Brady and then Jersey Tony. So, Matt, you want to unmute? I'll uh, unmute you. Go ahead. Oh, hey, uh, Mike, uh, I think I took your weightlifting seminar two years ago with you down across the Mayhem. Uh, so my question is just uh, if you have athletes with a lot of overhead mobility problems, particularly in the front squat, or not the front squat, overhead squat, snatch, and then like a lot of the jerk or overhead movements, if you had one or two go-to mobility movements you could do daily or at least weekly, um, what would they be? Well, you remember for me, I don't know if, if you would recall this or not, but I, I'm a big believer in stretching under tension. So for me to get better in the overhead squat, I have to practice overhead squat. Now, I don't want to practice negative positioning while I'm in the overhead squat. So pretty much everybody can do a an overhead squat when there's when they're not squatting you know they just have the pvc pipe up over their head and i create you know for me my world is about external external rotation showing me the armpit showing me the crook of the arm with you know with internal torque so i i believe in external rotation with internal torque and then i i want that torso to be as upright as my body will allow it to be and so consequently some athletes can squat down all the way, put their butt an inch to the ground, and they can do Zotz presses behind the neck while they're in that down position. And I encourage you to look at Bergner Strength website. And my daughter-in-law, Sophie, does a lot of that kind of stuff. She's, a, she's gifted mobility-wise. She was a dancer growing up, and so she's got it. But most people don't got it, you know? So what you got to do is you got to take them in that overhead position and you've got to stretch you got to stretch them in that position and that is they're up they squat down one inch and if they're good position you go down two inches and if they're in good position you go down two and a half inches but that point where they start hinging and going forward you stop and bring them back up and you stretch them until they say that you're the greatest coach in the world you know, that's what you want to do. You want to, hey, you want to really hold them in that position. And I don't know if you'll recall this or not, but I, I say this at the beginning of almost every workout. I can kick your ass with PVC pipe much easier than I can with a heavy weight. Oh, I remember. I do remember. But th that's, that's the key. Being able to take athletes and stretch them in those bottom positions is absolutely, and a bottom position is the position that they achieve mastery in. You know, I mean, if they go down one half inch more and they don't have mastery, you bring their ass right back up and keep stretching them in that position. So if we're, if we're going down lower and lower, you know, one or two inches, three inches, whatever it is, and they start to hinge, just prior to them starting to hinge, do you hold them? You you spend time in that position just until they're sweating and then recover or as long recommend? as they own the position. If they own the position, you keep them there and maybe go down one half millimeter even. I mean, I you cannot believe that I had fifty kids in a class doing the same thing with PE kids, you know, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen years old. And they were pissing and moaning all over the place. You know, they couldn't stand it. But, hey, I carry a pretty big stick, and so they had to do it. Cool. Thank you. That, that's helpful. All right. Let's, hey, Brady, I see your hand up. And then we'll go Tony and Mike. Oh, all right. There we go. Sorry. Give me one second. I'm currently working. I just have to, I just have to get, get my map set up. 
just All right, let's go second. to Jersey, Tony. We'll come to you next. Okay. Brady. Tony. Hey, what's going on, Coach B? Uh, I, good. Where are you? I can't see you. There you are. You see me? Uh, you got me? Uh, there yeah. you go. I got you yeah. now. Yeah. So sorry, I'd be remiss if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity to have a one-on-one -on -one with you and, and ask a question for myself. I love my athletes, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> is it okay if I ask you, or Coach Jay, is it okay if I ask a personal question for myself? <laughs> sure, it's up to you. Hey, yeah. uh, hold on, I'm going to close my door here. I don't no. want to <laughs> No, no, stop it, Coach Jay. It's more, it's more of, um, you know, with the tall jerk and, and the split jerk balance, I have sometimes trouble um, getting my knee extended too far forward on my toes, uh, over my toes when I'm when I'm going into my jerk, and my coach is always all over me on it. And he's a great coach, and I love him. Um, is there anything more I can be doing um, in regards to that? Because I always end up getting that knee over that toe. Yeah, I'll stop that shit right now. Basically. Yeah, I'm waiting for that. But, yeah, but here, that's the same thing here, he says to me too. Yeah, exactly. I, you got a good coach then. But no, here's the deal. So you're going to practice jerks. First of all, start your practice with jerking from behind the head. Do jerks behind the neck. Just take the bar off the rack and put the, put the bar on your back and then practice jerking. Now, there's five points of performance that you're trying to learn when you're jerking. When you hit that split position in the jerk, what you're, what you're looking at is five points. And the first point is with that front foot. That front foot is going to hit and stop. And the weight should be distributed from the uh, middle of the foot to the heel. So if you do that, that will stop, that'll stop that stuff with the knee. But that's number one. Okay, number two, the shin needs to be perpendicular to the ground, right? Number three, the torso wants to be pretty much parallel to the shin. So I got that torso upright, right? And number four, the back knee needs to be bent to bring the thigh more underneath the hip for added support. And then number five, you want the weight on the ball of the foot and the back foot. So you got midfoot heel, shin, torso, back leg bent slightly, and then weight on the ball of the foot on the back foot. So that's the five points of performance. Now, if you're going to jerk and you're driving that front foot out there and the weight is on the ball of your foot, I would tell you a couple things that are happening. Number one, your dip sucks. <clears throat> and that's 90% of the time. Most people that dip straight, but when they go to drive, they drive to the ball of their foot and the weight, instead of being straight down and straight up, goes straight down, but now the path goes out. So, Consequently, it really screws up that footwork. Nevertheless, what I'm going to have you do is you're going to dip, drive, and jerk, and you're going to hold that split position. You're going to hold it. And then if you have somebody watch you, and if that knee shin is not perpendicular to the ground, he's going to say to you, knee back, knee back. So that's going to take that knee that's like this, and he's going to knee back, and it's going to make that shin perpendicular to the ground then. So in the back leg, a lot of times the back leg, people have the back leg that will be straight. Then the coach will say, knee bent, knee bent. So knee back is for the front leg, knee bent is for the back leg. And that bring, again, that will roll the hips more underneath the torso. That will give added support with the uh, legs. When that bars overhead. Now you start that out with the jerks behind the head because you don't have to worry about your chin. Your chin's out of the way. Your problem is if I watched you, I would bet within 80% accuracy, you're dipping, you go to the balls of your feet because you don't want to hit your face with the bar. So bar, the face has got to get out of the way. So you got to dip, drive, and the face is going to come up or you got to tuck the chin to get the face out of the way. Nevertheless, the dip has got to be straight and the drive has got to be straight as well. Any deviation from that will screw up that position you're talking about. Thanks, Coach. That's a good question, well, Tony. I'm sure plenty of people you know, have the same. And it's great for a coaching perspective as well. 
you know, simple cues like that, fixing people. All right, Brady, are you good? Oh yeah, I'm rocking and rolling now. Coach B, what up? <laughs> what are you driving? I hope you're driving a pickup truck and not some uh, Volkswagen bug or something like that. It's a it's even better, it's a box truck. <laughs> it's a boss truck? It means it's your wife's truck? Huh? <laughs> it's your wife's truck? That's the boss truck. <laughs> no, Hells, Bells, my wife makes a, me call her boss hoss. <laughs> it's a box truck, but I mean, hey, I mean, if happy wife, happy, happy life. Yeah, no uh, shit. I get, I'll guarantee you after 44 <laughs> years of marriage, I understand that. <laughs> uh, so this, I, my question is a little broad. Um, so if you, so kind of programming for yourself, a group, and maybe like an indiv like individual, individual athlete, whether that's like a personal training athlete or like a competitive athlete, whatever. If you were to program a like a, a strength program, again, this is for you, a class, or a specific athlete, what's kind of like your cheat, your, I don't want to say a cheat sheet, but a cheat sheet to, to coming up with, with that, with that strength, with that strength program. You know what, sense. Brady, I've got the best template for you that has worked for me for over 50 years. Now you're going to be able to remember this. <laughs> I, it, you know, Jason can probably remember it for you, but Jason can probably recall it. But I've, I've used this template that, that in my PE classes and in my, uh, uh, you know, gyms and my athletes, every athlete that I've ever worked with uses this same template because it's, it can be so broad in nature and it can be very specific in nature as well. So here's the deal. There's five things you need. Number one, you have to do a classical lift. Now a classical lift means a snatch, a clean and jerk, right? That's a snatch or a clean. That's a classical lift. So I got to do a classical lift. I got to do a classical pull. I got to do a leg exercise. I got to do an overhead exercise and I got to do accessory work, which typically is core work. So let me give you an example. You come into my class, you've, you've had the basics, but you're, you're kind of a, a, a different a breed, different guy. So I'm going to give you three position snatches. There's my classical lift. I'm going to give you snatch deadlifts. There's my classical pull. I'm going to give you snatch, a push press, there's my overhead. I'm gonna give you overhead, I'm gonna give you front squats, there's my leg. And since you're weak in the lower back, I'm gonna give you back extensions. And every time I do back extension work, I wanna do some kind of ab mat work as well. So there's your workout. Now that's day one, but day two, we're gonna come in. The classical lift now is gonna be three position cleans, right? The classical pull is gonna be clean pulls. The, the leg work is going to be, and I'm, and I'm going to do snatch push press overhead squat because now the snatch push press and the overhead squat give me an overhead, but give me a leg, right? And then maybe my accessory exercises might be dumbbell bench presses or kettlebell swings or ball slams or whatever it is, whatever it is that I want to do. But there's that, that template. And then I, I make it and break it down into micro cycles all the way up to macro cycles using the same template, getting ready for whatever I need to get ready for. So starting out, I, I do a, a typical periodization model of high volume, low intensity, building to lower volume, higher intensity. And so my segment is worked in four week segments. So week one through four are the same. But week five through eight are the same as week four with some changes, but the intensity will go up a little bit, maybe 5% or something like that. So, I mean, that's the template that I've used all my life. Uh, even when I was a student at Notre Dame, I used that template and uh, it works really well. Cool. Appreciate it. Good. Anytime. Keep it simple. All right, Mike, are you there? You want to unmute yourself? Coach, I have a couple of questions. One is kind of personal, but also a coaching question. And then one is just a coaching question. Things that I just cannot get to, through to some of my athletes. Kind of a mental block. I think a mental block. I'm very much self-taught via YouTube on Olympic lifting. So 
the two things I have myself and athletes who really struggle with getting that speed back under the bar. They have usually too much speed or a good amount of speed getting the up, but then when they have to get down in that squat position, it's just slow. That's my big limiting factor as well with my I have a couple of athletes who have been with our gym for as long as I've known them. They have a mental block and cannot make any contact with the bar. I have tried everything I can think of. I've watched YouTube videos on it for different cues, drills, and they'll do the drill, but then if they start lifting, it goes out the window. They just can't get it. So how do you convey that, I guess? Okay, well, I, I think I missed part of that question. You're, you're talking about speed under the bar on one part, then the other part you're talking about yep. making hip contact? Yes. Okay. Well, let, let's talk about Perfect. speed. Let's, let's talk about speed under the bar. You know, one thing that Glassman really likes to, has always liked to say in the past that I picked up early was core to extremity, right? The, the biggest problem that CrossFitters have that I found in my teaching or anybody for that matter when they're learning, the concept of being able, they, they want to take the bar and pull it up over their head. You know, they'll, they'll drive the bar up with their legs because I talk about jumping and whatever, but they want to jump and pull. You know, they want to jump and pull that bar over their head. Well, you gotta, you got to teach them core to extremity, right? So you can't pull a barbell up over your head. You know, I mean, everybody's going to reach that limit where the bar becomes too heavy. You just, you just can't do it with your arms. But what you can realize is that I can jump that bar up over my head, creating acceleration and elevation on the barbell, right? And then as that barbell is going up, then my extremities come into play and I pull my body down. You, I will not allow my athletes to say drop. Dropping and catching are two terms that will be put in your brain housing group and it gives you the wrong concept of what we're trying to do. So I drive the barbell up, creating that acceleration, and then I have to pull my body around the barbell. And then I have to punch my body underneath that barbell into that good overhead squat position. But if I don't do that, if I just jump and drop, it's too slow, it's unaggressive, and they'll never be worth a shit. You know, you've got to teach them to pull themselves down. Now, how do I do that? There's two drills that I use. They're called tall cleans and tall snatches. So we do high hang tall cleans, just regular, regular standing up, no dip and drive whatsoever. We just shrug and freaking pull hard. Because in reality, when my feet move from that jumping position, that pulling position, when my feet move from that jumping pulling position, they go out to receive the bar in the squatting position. So I can't pull a barbell up if my feet are off the ground. So what's going to happen, the, the, the transfer of energy from the ground goes to the barbell when my feet move. So that as I'm pulling and my feet are moving off the ground, even for the slightest time it does that, it's going to speed me up underneath the bar. So I'm going to get my ass underneath the bar. I'm going to pull myself down and around the bar. But I just don't catch it because catching is slow. It's unaggressive. It's unimaginable, right? So I'm, but I'm going to punch the living hell out of that bar because I'm going to win. I'm going to beat that bar. So you've got to turn it over and you've got to punch. So how do I learn to do that? That's what those snatch drops are all about, snatch lands. 90% of all missed lifts are attributed to the feet, the footwork. I'm gonna do drills that require me to move fast and time it with my punching and moving my feet at the same time. And it takes time, it takes confidence. So I think the biggest problem that athletes and coaches have alike is that they will not understand that give yourself six months to a year and then if you're not making progress, fire the freaking coach because you, you, need to, you need to understand that you're taking this as a challenge as a coach and you're going to break it down in the most minute patterns so that they get it right. Do not allow them to, to snatch and clean and jerk with bad form. Uh, my kids, my kids in, in my high school did not snatch 
a barbell the correct way for 18 weeks. We worked drills and skills and fundamentals, and they had a lot of other stuff. We taught them kettlebell swings, ball slams, you know, you know, thrusters, that wall ball. We taught them all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm an Olympic weightlifting coach. I'm not a CrossFit coach. So most of the stuff that I do is geared towards the Olympic clubs. If you're listening to this right now, it's because you're a fan of best hour of their day and probably me, but not so much Fern. That tends to be the norm. But if you are listening, we just want to ask you for one favor. Please support us on Patreon. Patreon is where we put some bonus episodes up. It's really the only thing we ask for. We've been doing this podcast for two years now, and we do it because we have a love for fitness. We have a love for helping others, a passion for developing other people and helping them become the best possible coach that they can be. And, and we do it because we love it. We don't ask for anything, but we are asking that you support us on Patreon. It's $6 for the price of your fancy frappuccino with hazelnut syrup or whatever it is you get over at Starbucks. You can support the show. And as we get more and more supporters on Patreon, by the way, it's patreon.com forward slash best hour of their day. We're going to be adding even more. Right now, it's a free bonus episode where we answer all of your questions, but we plan on putting so much more out there, exclusive and early content, access to things that you know everybody else doesn't get. So once again, we don't ask for much. So if you love the show, if we're helping you, chances are if you listen to this show and you're a coach or a box owner, we've helped you make way more than $6. And not only that, we've helped just make your life better. Whether we entertain you or whether you've implemented many of the awesome things we talk about here on the show, check it out. If you don't, you know what? You can keep listening to the show. You can keep tuning in on a regular basis. Yeah, we put three episodes out every week. You don't have to support us on Patreon. We still want you to listen. But if you can, we appreciate it. You have a follow-up, Mike? Mike no, that was that was that was really helpful with the that under the bar, the like not thinking, catching, and dropping. Any advice on people who just cannot make any kind of contact with the bar? I don't. You know what? Reason? Honestly, Michael, I, I sh say this: if that bar is a gnat's ass from their hips, who gives a shit? Right. I mean, let's get over this contact thing back back in. The, is your athlete going to be an Olympian? I mean, are they, they truly going to be are they going to be a world champion? Who cares? As long as that bar stays within the area of the base. You know what the area of the base is? That's that footwork. As long as that bar stays in the area of the base and it's a gnat's ass from the hips. Who cares? It's not going to make the difference in one way or the other. So just, I will guarantee you, you, you leave it alone. Otherwise, they're going to want to bring the bar to their hips and they're going to bang the bar off their hips. And then that bar is going to swing away from their face and it's going to go outside the least line of resistance. If that bar is that close to their hips and it stays within the area of the base and the least line of resistance, give them a good fat clap. Let them know that they're doing a good job. Got it. Perfect. Thank you. I love it. I think you guys need to really heed that advice. We get so worked up about the details. Our, our members are not going to be Olympic athletes. Most of them just want to, you know, look better naked at the end of the day. You know? All right. Well, I'm still trying to do that. <laughs> Matt, oh, you good? I'll put your hand down. You unmute yourself. Matt, you good? Oh, me? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Hi, Coach B. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Pleasure to be talking to you. Thank you. Uh, Same to you. Uh, thanks. I have a question. I kind of know the answer, but I want to hear from you. So I just had an athlete. <laughs> like you said, you're, you're a weightlifting coach. I completely understand that. But I just had an athlete who has completely no mobility, not even to touch his thumbs on his shoulders and we were doing push press. You mean kind of like parkings, this? Hang parkings. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, but he, but at least he got his uh, elbows pointing forward. But he couldn't even touch the, the thumbs on his shoulders, and the bar was basically chin level. Yeah. And what I've been trying to do, and always trying to be simple since I've been always listening to you guys, especially you, uh, I just, I let him do the, allowed him to do the, the hang power cleans and the push press with only the PVC pipe. And I was basically telling him to try to, trying to get to the better position, which I also believe will be the best mobility ever. Because Aikerman was on my level one, and now back then I was the, what is it, the demo? Kelly Sturette guy. Oh, um, um, mobility this, yeah, and also my, my demo, mobility this, mobility that, but then no better mobility than doing the actual movement. So I allowed him to do basically the PVC was not on his shoulders. The push press was almost going around his face. Wait, he was doing the quarter extremity. He was doing the quarter extremity. Legs first and then arms. He was doing the aim power things pretty decent. So is it bad if I let people do that for a while? Let's say one, two weeks, and then I always, I mean, I'm always trying to make them move better. But what do you think about that? Well, or should I, I just I, be? Yeah, there, there's, there's also the, there's the skill transfer work with the jerk. You know, so basically that's what you're, what you're really getting at. Um, and, and by the way, don't beat yourself up too much because there's not very many people that can do a PVC pipe the right way. Because the PVC pipe, I love the PVC pipe, but when you're starting to do front squats or you're trying to do overhead work with the PVC pipe and, and the clean grip, that bar is going to be up high anyway. You, you want their elbows to come, you want the elbows to be up, but you want that bar to come down. Hell, load the bar up to 40, 50 kilos, and I'll guarantee you it'll get down on their shoulders, right? But th that's not the issue. The issue is, is that I got to break that down, and I've really got to work on that mobility. Um, and then I've got to understand that there may be some athletes that cannot get that mobility. So consequently, back in, oh gosh, the 1960s or whatever, um, there were three lifts. There was the clean and press, the snatch, and the clean and jerk. So you had all these guys that were very muscular and their shoulders and their triceps and their biceps. They were very, very, very strong. They had terrible mobility, right? So what they ended up doing is the split snatch and the split clean. Because in the split snatch and the split clean, your elbows don't need to be up as high. The only your your torso in the split snatch and the split clean, your torso is going to be straight up and down. So your elbows can you want it to be up a little bit, but you don't they they're not required to be straight parallel to the ground, like they might have to be for somebody in the in the squat style method. So I would work on my mobility, continue working on your mobility with those shoulders and those wrists. You know, and then check out the ankles, knees, and hips, too. That could be causing the problem for that lack of mobility up here. Because the minute that the torso starts hinging, where's the bar going to go? Right? It's going to go forward. That's the beauty of the split lunge, because you're not hinging. See, in the split, your torso straight up and down, and you don't have to have that requirement. So, again, if I'm, if I'm talking about a guy that's not going to go to the CrossFit Games, because... Castro will never allow the split snatch or split clean. I've tried to get him to do it, but he won't. And so I think he's done it once in all the years of CrossFit. And then he made him do both legs, right leg and left legs, which sucked like a big time. But nevertheless, uh, I would have him do split snatches, split cleans while continuing to work their mobility. And then, you know, start out from the back, you know, uh, put the barbell on the back. And then, uh, you know, practice your jerks from the, from the back because it'll be easier to get the bar back down, uh, you know, from the back than the front. And then don't be afraid to use a training bar for, for that because it's going to be a little bit heavier and to, it's going to make those elbows. And then also widen the grip. If, he, if his shoulders are okay, most men take a real narrow grip. So I like my athletes to take two thumbs. If this is the, the knurling, I'll, I'll take two thumbs. There's, there's one thumb, and I'll take it all the way out to two thumbs. I'll do two thumb width in the grip because, again, it allows for more core to extremity than using my arms to pull the barbell up.
Coach B, we have two more we have two more questions. I just I wanted to get your advice for some of these guys. You know, they're all over the world, um, and gyms are shutting down again, depending on where they are. What's some advice you might give them to continue to help their athletes develop in the lifts virtually? Well, I mean, that, to me, it's all about you know leadership by example, and and you know we do the Bergner the Bergner course virtually now online, and it's not ideal, but you know you got to do with what you you got. You know the the whole idea, the whole concept, is to you know be there and coach virtually. There's no doubt in my mind that I could coach every one of you guys on on TV right now. I could see what we're doing. I could I could take Matt put him in the position and I could coach him through it. Now that's, that's verbal coaching cues for me, which are not good. I don't like verbal coaching cues. I like uh, tactile coaching cues. I'd much rather put my hands on you, talk to you about what I need you to do, but then also put my, put my hands on you and, and put you in a position where you need to be and then start it from there. And that's kind of hard to do that virtually. Charlie. I'm on the I'm on the computer, honey. You just need to be quiet. That's granddaughters. They rule, by the way. All so, right. You know the, the, uh, the bottom line. You just have to figure it out, and you know it. It's not easy, but you know what? So what? You still got to do it. Yeah. All right. We'll go Josh and then Christian before we wrap up. So Josh, go ahead and unmute yourself, please. Hey, Coach. Uh, thanks for being on with us. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Yeah, so my question is, um, I'm an adaptive athlete. I'm an above-knee amputee. I use a prosthetic. And demoing is an important part of, of CrossFit, and specifically with uh, Olympic lifts and things like that. Some things I'm not able to demo. Uh, I can I can muscle snatch. I'm definitely not going uh, to snatch. And, and drop into a squat. So uh, what are your thoughts on how uh, to mitigate that, not being able to visually demo things for athletes? I do have some solutions to that stuff. Sometimes I'll just use another athlete, but maybe they can't perform a snatch like I would want them to. But what are your thoughts on not being able to demo yourself. Well, first of all, who gives a shit, right? That, yeah. Unless you cut everybody's knee off above above the knee, cut their leg off above the knee, your, your demos mean shit to them because they're going to watch you do it as an adaptive athlete. They're not adaptive athletes. You are. You don't want to demonstrate a lift from your aspect of it or they'll learn it the wrong way. What you want to do, and this is what I did with my PE classes, Hell, I couldn't demonstrate the way I wanted to lift. Otherwise, they would have developed bad technique, right? So I brought in videos of the best weightlifters in the world, and I'd make them watch it. And I would go frame by frame by frame of the proper bar path that they were required to achieve. And then we, we worked on tempo pulls. We worked on tempo pause pulls, making sure that that positioning was exactly the same every single time. And you start from the top, work yourself down, and then you work yourself back up again. And you just got to bring that out. And at my school, I had one of those big VHS televisions where you take that big old tape and you plugged it in. And I could frame by frame everything to show them exactly the position that I was talking about. That's why I don't like to use words. I'd rather use vision. I'm a visual learner, not a not a uh, auditory learner. So for me, bringing stuff in, letting them see it, and then putting them in those positions really does a lot for helping those. But you listen, you are a coach. You are not supposed to be demoing. You are a coach. You're supposed to be coaching them. And if you can't do the list perfect, then you either video or you find somebody that can and then bring them in to demo the list. That's why I take Sage or, or Casey or Cody or Bo with me on all the courses I go because they have to demo. Does that Thank answer you. your question, Josh? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it's important for you to remember, Josh, it'd be really easy to just be like, ah, I can't do this. And you don't do that, you know, no excuses. And I think your athletes probably admire that a lot more than you realize. 
Yeah, you Thank go you. in there and work your ass off, Josh. I'll guarantee you they'll respect you. Just tell them, don't watch me snatch. Don't watch me clean and jerk. But you do it anyway, just because you have to do with what you got where you are, right? And I've got a couple of uh, Sarah Rudder. Do you know her? No. She's uh, she's she's the same way. She was a she was a warrior. She lost her leg in in Afghanistan. And you know what? She snatches and clean and jerks and does all those kinds of things. And is it pretty? It is. It is for her. Would it would it be something that's going to get her to the Olympic Games? No. You know, I don't. I, is she going to go to the CrossFit Games? Maybe as an adaptive athlete, but she's not going to go as anything else. And that's fine. She does what she can do in the best of her ability. And that's exactly. You should become the best coach you can become. That's your goal. Thank you very much. All right. Last question from Christian. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Hey, what's up, Coach B? Hey, Christian. Um, so my question is how you build buy-in with your athletes. Um, because we're CrossFit coaches and not weightlifting coaches, um, I always have a handful of athletes that come in that are like, I'm just here to sweat and, you know, I don't give a shit what my snatch looks like. Quit bugging me about it. Um, so how do you build, build buy-in? Well, I, if they don't want to be coached, I don't think, I don't let them, I'm not going to coach them. You know, and, and I'll just say, well, that looked like shit. Boy, you're really <laughs> good, aren't you? Looks like you could use some help. And then, you know, sometime down the road, three or four, five, six weeks, <clears throat> there's going to be some female that's going to snatch more than they do. And it's going to piss them off because all these guys have egos, right? And they, and you know, and here's the other thing, quite frankly, um, I have fired people in my gym. I mean, I have people have come to my gym and, you know, they don't, you know, they, they're not going to do it my way. They're not going to listen. So I just quit coaching them, you know, and, and, uh, you know, if they use bad language or if they do anything that's not appropriate, I kick them out of the gym. I don't kick them away from the gym. I want them to come back. Well, you know what? You can come back tomorrow. You know, and I, I have had, I will tell you, I had a United States Marine who was a 96 Olympian crying in my gym because I wouldn't tolerate his bullshit. And that, and that is, that's what you are. You are the coach, Christian. You are the guy that has to make sure that your athletes in that class are, are safe. That's number one. You're liable. They have to be safe. And if they're not going to listen to you and they're going to do it their own way, then they're not being safe. And you need to explain that to them, you know, and it's just, that's just the way it freaking is. You know, yeah, luckily sure. I yeah. gave out grades. So my kids knew I'd flunk their ass if they didn't do it the right way. Maybe we should start giving out grades at the gym. Absolutely. Hey. I believe in that. I, but I Thanks. think that's important to remember what coach is saying. He, he, you, just because someone wants to be a member of your gym doesn't mean they get to be. And, yeah. you know, Fern and I have recently spoke about knowing who you serve. And if there are people that just don't fit in your gym, one bad apple can, you know, spoil the bunch, as they say. All right, that was supposed to be the last question, but Federico has his hand up one more time, and then we'll wrap up. Last question, yeah, Federico. I can be here all day, guys. I well, swear, I love this stuff. I have, I have stuff to do, <laughs> but let's let Federico ask the last question. I'm sorry, coach. Uh, do you, do you think that a CrossFit population should do more snatches, more cleans, and uh, it it would be preferred um, to program mostly full range of motions or partial range of motion, more movements like power snatches, hang power snatches, cleans, hang power cleans, etc. Et Okay, remember who you're talking to here, right? I mean, you're you're looking, you're listening no. to a guy that, if if your if your power snatch is more than your snatch or your power cleans more than you clean, I would never let you power clean or power snatch again. I mean, period. I mean, I I want the bottom line is the snatch and the clean and jerk. And you, here's the deal: you milk the snatches. So in my world, we're going to front squat three times more than we're going to back squat. Right. And I like that because the front squat's going to keep my torso more upright at that upper thoracic area is going to really get strong when I do front squats and I do presses 
when I'm in the bottom of the front squat and I'll take a barbell and do presses while I'm in the bottom of that front squat, right? They're called Zotz presses. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, I'm, I'm going to work hard on my snatch technique and I understand I'm going to get as good as I can get. I'm going to work hard on my clean and jerk technique, but the clean and jerk technique is much easier than the snatch. So I'm going to snatch. I'm going to milk the snatches. I'm going to win with the clean and jerk. And I'm going to get stronger than hell with the front squat. And then I'm going to work all my weaknesses in between there. So for me, if you've got your athletes that are doing more power snatches and power cleans than full range of motion stuff, I just wouldn't let them do it. You know, I, I'd make them, uh, make them do the right way as long as they have the proper mobility to be able to go down. And here's the other thing. You know what the standard is on overhead squats, and you know what the standard is on front squats and back squats. But if I'm, if I'm a weightlifter, why in the hell would I do the standard in a, in a front squat when I'm going to receive a clean with my ass that far from the ground? I need to be practicing where I'm performing. I've got to get comfortable where I'm uncomfortable right now. So you got all these athletes that the standard is to go hip below the knees, but when it comes to receiving that clean, that heavy clean, they can't get out of the hole. And why is that? Because they don't practice down there. They don't do the front squats down there. You got to do the front squats. If I practice down there, butt to the ground, if I practice down there, then when I go to a contest or if I go to a, a CrossFit class, I can do the standard a lot easier. But if I practice the standard only without going all the way down, I'll never get strong in the bottom position coming out of that clean or the, or the overhead squat. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Perfectly makes sense. Good. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks, Federico. Coach B, truly an honor to have you on. We appreciate you taking your time. If, if they're interested, you mentioned earlier, your, your course, uh, a preferred CrossFit course is available online. Where can they find out more about that? Well, you can go online, bergnerstrength.com, you know, is where it is. And there's a, there's a signups for online courses, but in the States we're doing, you know, we're still able to do courses. Um, we've got, I would highly, if you guys are coaches, I would highly recommend, not just because it's my course, but, well, maybe because of that too, but I would highly recommend you to, to, uh, to take that fundamentals course because I think you would really benefit. It's not, the course is not geared towards producing athletes. The course is geared towards coaching you how to produce athletes. Yeah, that was. And we, get, we get that Ackerman special, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I'm yeah. charging him double. I was going to say, mention my name, get charged double. I that was the first specialty course I think I took in 2008, and right. to this day, one of my favorites. Right. Um, last thing, as we wrap up, these guys are all aspiring, you know, level two, level three, level four CrossFit coaches. Can you give them one piece of advice that you would give to somebody looking to be the best coach that they can be? Study your ass off. I mean, honestly, at 74 years of age and no longer producing competitive athletes, I live my life, because I'm retired, on YouTube watching technique. I mean, and I'm always looking at ways. I've got my style of teaching and coaching, but I'm not afraid to change. I'm, I'm always trying to make myself better. So even at this older age, I still go on YouTube and uh, practice looking at technique and then, you know, I, I, I let athletes send me videos of uh, their, their technique and, and I coach them, uh, coach them virtually like that as well. You know, they'll send me a video and say what you think and then uh, stand by because I will tell you what I think. And a lot of times I don't want my athletes to be offended, but if they are, then that's, they have to get over it. But the bottom line is, is that continue studying your butt off to make yourself better. I love it. 74. Maybe you should have ran for president. <laughs> I, think we, I think we would have had this whole thing figured out a lot faster. No shit. I guarantee you. <laughs> well, thank you so much again for coming on. As we sign off, I'll let these guys, you know, throw in any last comments they have towards you. But as always, appreciate it. Um, like I said, to kick this off, I truly think you've changed the landscape of 
of health and fitness, whether you want to take the credit or not. I certainly wouldn't be cleaning and snatching if not for you, and I'm sure everyone else would uh, say the same thing. So thank you very much. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at Best Hour of Their Day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.